Hi everyone, welcome to Take It or Lead It, a podcast that is all about inspiration, leadership, connections, and inclusion, with a lot of storytelling in it. This is Vale from Budapest, Hungary, and I'm your host. In this episode, which is the first of the second season of Take It or Lead It, we begin with the story of how I met the guest of today's episode, Valdemar Connery, also known as Valdek a friend and a leader who had a profound influence on my development in the early stages of my career. In this conversation, we'll talk about the importance of developing and spending quality time with your team members as a leader, growing your successor and creating an inclusive culture. But I don't want to anticipate too much, so just relax and listen in. Here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome to Take It or Lead It. This is Vale from Budapest, and today I have a special guest who will introduce himself, and that his name is Valdek. But Valdek, I don't know where you are, actually. You may want to mention the name of the village where you live. Hi, Vale. Hi, everyone. Uh, uh, yeah, I live in Poland, um, uh, a small town called um, uh, Ravich, like 20,000 uh, people nearby. We're actually right uh, in the middle between the two biggest cities in Poland, Poznan and Brussels. Okay. So, Valdek, for, uh, for my listeners or our listeners, is a friend of mine who also happened to be a former uh, manager of mine. Um, and um, we have endured a number of adventures together in, in business predominantly, but we, we became uh, good friends as well. So Valdek, I think one of the things I find interesting about you is that you have been in various places uh, working, but also uh, living and um, and you've traveled a bit of the world, the, the entire world, I would say, because of your of your work. But you, I let you talk about yourself. Yeah. So, well, as I said, I live in Poland, but uh, like you mentioned, uh, uh, through my career, I've uh, I've lived and uh, and work in uh, other uh, countries. Actually, in four four other countries. So I I work in Slovakia. I work in Hungary work in Netherlands uh, and uh, the most um, recent one is uh, I spent three years in um, in, Sco- in Scotland. Now in, in terms of like my career, uh, I'm, um, I'm a 20 plus years supply chain professional, even though the last year my um, career took a bit of a turn and I'm currently leading uh, accounts payable, so going more into the, the finance world. And uh, out of my kind of um, 20 plus years uh, supply chain career, I would say half of this was different jobs within factories. Uh, so like um, a logistics uh, manager, materials manager, and plant manager of two different uh, factories in Poland and Netherlands. Uh, and uh, the other half in different central or global roles um, doing um, like materials manager for MEA region or global. So all these jobs um, 
uh, within supply chain. And, uh, and I would say, hey, apart from my deep domain expertise in supply chain, I always call myself a people leader. So I would say if I've achieved something, it's not because of my deep domain expertise uh, in, in supply chain or anything, but uh, the, the passion for um, leadership for, uh, for people. And I can totally see that. I need to tell you, I have a lot of respect and admiration for people that uh, have, have been uh, leading factories like you, uh, because it's always been, or always been, it's often been in my career path uh, earlier, but I never could say yes to that. I guess not because I, I couldn't do the job. I, I, I was asked to do the job a few times, but I just didn't feel I uh, comfortable being responsible for so many people, particularly for their safety. Like, I don't know if I could have managed the stress of like people could be injured and all of that the responsibility that comes with it. That was one of my, uh, my things um, for not ever taking that role. Although I have had, uh, you know, a number of experiences in the factory and that's where I started in a, in a small factory in Italy, as you know, as you know. So let me ask you this question straight, Valde. Do you remember where we met the first time? Well, not that I remember the exact um, uh, meeting, but uh, you know, it must have been when I first time moved to, um, uh, to my uh, MA role to um, uh, Budapest, um, uh, Hungary. And, uh, and uh, that's uh, most likely where we met uh, back in what, 2006 or something like that. Well, I think... If I remember well, we met in, I think it must have been October 2006, but not in Hungary. The first time we met was in, uh, in Terrassa in Spain, close to Barcelona, because you were to take over uh, a, a role from your predecessor who was about to leave. And I remember you with, you know, stepping out of a taxi and we met in, a, in the front of a hotel in Terrassa, you had this uh, white shirt. If I'm again, maybe my you know memory made this up, but I'm pretty convinced we met the first time in Terrassa. Okay, no, so so you see, I don't remember this one. Of course, I do remember. So to take that job for which I moved to Budapest, I actually spent three weeks uh, in Terrassa picking up uh, the duties from my predecessor. So yes. I, I clearly spent the three weeks there, but I. I honestly don't, don't remember uh, our encounter at uh, yeah. that time, uh, for sure, again. But then we, we, we met and built a relationship uh, in Budapest. But no, yeah. it's good uh, good memory. Yeah. Uh, okay, Valdek, let's talk about leadership. Okay, you've been in various places in the world and in different roles, predominant supply chain. But you also said you, are, you like to think of yourself as a leader of people what what does it mean to you to to be a leader uh why is that so important to you it's a great question and uh, i think um, you know uh, i would say um, uh, leadership to me is like uh, being the, the servant leader now i have to be honest like the word servant leader i like using this because uh, i think it um, well describes how i'm thinking of uh, leadership even though I have to say I've been using the word for the last maybe two, three years, right? Uh, and obviously leading for 20 um, uh, plus years. Uh, and in a nutshell, if I'm to kind of 
elaborate on this. Um, I leadership to me is once you become like a manager or leader of a team, you need to um, switch um, uh, the notion that um, it's not about you anymore. It's all about them. And I even in the early kind of days, uh, often, I came across the book um, that was called uh, Love Them or Lose Them, which was kind of emphasizing uh, the importance of um, the team and, uh, and the importance of developing team members. And um, I think, again, to me, leading is, again, building like the, the, the culture or environment of trust, inclusion, transparency, candidness. I'm a big fan of feedback in provide and receive feedback in a comfortable way. So I think this is what it means to me to, um, to be a leader. You can kind of summarize uh, a being a servant leader. So, so being uh, there for others, not for you. Great. And I think that resonates a lot with me. And if you listen to our episode with, with Diana, uh, episode number nine, we, we talk about that. And a lot of it is it's about, it's less about you and really to, it's about creating the circumstances, the space, offering resources and tools and ideas for people to, as a collective, come up with a better strategy or the right process or even uh, a safe space for them to share their their ideas and and to ultimately thrive as a team and as individuals by the way as well <clears throat> and and the other thing connecting to this point and more into my recollection and my memories of um, our experience when you were my manager I can tell you that I I see this in in your earlier ver- in the earlier version of you and I remember how um, you were coaching me and nurturing me. And also what I uh, find fascinating when I think back of, of that time is I remember very clearly sentences that you told me uh, and even things that you did that, that stuck with me. Because when we got to know each other, I was only uh, probably like two and a half years in my career, so relatively fresh. And early enough, you started to spend a lot of time with me, even when you were not my manager, right? Because at the beginning, we were somewhat peers uh, or we had the same, we were sharing the same manager. And you spent a lot of time with me talking things and sharing your experiences. And even when you, then you became my leader uh, shortly after, you spent, it even, you spent even more time of very regularly to nurture me, to coach me and to uh, help me grow. So I'm, I am still extremely grateful for uh, all the time that you uh, that you spent with me my friend yeah i'm happy you have uh, all the good memories um, from the the beginning and uh, and appreciate you sharing and and one of the things that 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 stuck with me the most is after maybe a year year and a half um working for you you told me uh that you had put me into your succession plan uh, as one of the potential successors for you. And eventually, although your job then at some point got split, so I got only um, half of it, but uh, that actually happened, right? Um, and and I, again, I was, I must have, been, it must have been around 2000 and 
uh, and nine or something when this whole thing happened. So I was like literally five years in my career. And when I joined the company, he, the job that the job that you had and then and then I end up taking was a big job. Like I didn't even imagine I would ever get there. And when you told me, yeah. oh, Vala, you know, I just wanted to know you are in my succession plan. I was like, I, I felt so so humbled and so in to a certain extent maybe not super surprised because i knew that you saw talent in me but i was like oh my god that i didn't see that coming and i really i don't know i'm so grateful for for the journey and how uh you contributed to that just wanted you to know that hey no again um well, i'm glad um, that you are not only building up as my successor but you actually succeeded um uh, me in uh, in uh, in the roles and uh, and I have to say hey, this is one of my key roles that um, whenever I step into the um, the the new um, role I always say hey, developing your successor is uh, is the number one priority for not just for me but I I, I think for any leader right so. The, the, the people I manage, I always kind of uh, ask this question, like, who are the people in your uh, succession pipeline um, and uh, what do you do to, to develop them, to get them ready for um, uh, taking that role? In, in your case, uh, I'm really proud that uh, most of the jobs that I had, there was a successor that I've been developing that was taking over after me. So very rarely, almost never, I left the position where there was a problem of my succession. Typically, it would be someone that I, I, I have been spending time with and, uh, and kind of sharing all my knowledge, sharing uh, all I know. And, uh, you know, in many cases, people would develop uh, so well that uh, I... I always uh, say, hey, you know, many people have so much potential to to do a lot better than I'm doing, and uh, and I enjoy the fact that I was able to to make a small contribution somewhere through 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 their career that that kind of was a trigger or inspired them to you know yeah. build their careers. Great, and indeed, uh, I saw that uh, focus and the. Uh, attention you had to that particular aspect, not only to develop your successor, but I guess to develop talent across your your team and your organization. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so my, it wasn't. I mean, the successor was always the priority number one, right? So typically, the two or three people that I would kind of list on my list for the succession, you know, by nature I would kind of do more coaching, more, spend more time. And I have to say, this is one of the things that um, also I, I changed a lot through the years that, um, let's say when I was starting with, like, with you, I, I probably did spend quite a bit of time with, with you sharing a lot of time, but, but this balance of spending time with the top talent and spending time with the, let's say, middle performers or even bottom performers was, was, was not so good. I think I... I've what what I've changed over the years for sure is uh, is this balance that uh, a just a be aware everybody should get your time uh, again still probably the, the the top talents the people in the succession pipeline would get you know, more time but surely uh, again it's not only about developing your successes developing your, your team and uh, 
and um, dedicating enough time to all your team members to bring them to, to the next uh, next level. And again, you know my style. I'm a pretty much kind of open book uh, person. I always uh, uh, say to people, hey, I want you to be better than me. That's my goal, right? Uh, and I truly um, uh, come to work and um, lead and manage every day with this kind of notion that I want uh, everybody to to be better than uh, than me or at least as good as me and uh, I always say hey that that will be so good for the people and I never worry about myself because I say hey if I'm so good to develop my my team to be better than me my career will take care of itself if you like yeah what do you think about leaving a legacy as a leader, meaning, do you think that if you uh, choose, it's all about choosing the right successor, or if you create such a great uh, team and culture um, after you, even a like not, an imperfect choice of success, successor could still create a um, certain performance for for a period at least. How do you see that? Yeah, no, I think you you just nailed this in the question. Yeah, successor is very important, but it's not the most important. At the end of the day, it's just one person. Again, I said it's a priority number one, so it's very important, right? Because, uh, again, one person uh, from the top can change a lot, right? You can't imagine how people are looking for, let's say, being a plant leader and leading a plant of 600 people, how much people are looking to you, um, what time you come to work, what time you leave. So basic things, you don't have to say anything. They, you are being observed all the time, right? So, so you are setting, um, setting like an example, which leads me to, to the other thing that is more important, the culture. So it's the one person that your successor is very important, but the, the culture that you build is so much stronger foundation than the one choice of your successor that you make. Obviously, again, when you build your culture, you you will choose a successor who will that you want to kind of build. And I think I I mentioned uh, before what I kind of uh, consider to be the kind of the open, uh, safe space, uh, full of trust, inclusion, transparency, kind of um, uh, culture. So I think this is um, this is the foundation. Yeah. Building building the right culture that will last much longer than the choice of uh, of the one person that that succeeds you, yeah. and of course it's much harder too, right? Because you are not talking developing spending time with one person. You are talking uh, whatever organization you are in, developing a certain behaviors, developing certain culture, atmosphere in uh, at work with uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, of team members yeah 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 i think the caveat to what you said in my mind is also about the the magnitude of the team like sometimes if you have a team of 15 20 people say and and the person that comes after you is somewhat far away from from your values and the, your leadership styles it, that the team can relatively quickly sort of uh, disrupt itself and you go back two years later and maybe several people have gone Right. So again, I think depending on the magnitude of the, the organization we're talking about and how far and how different and how disruptive the new person can be, 
uh, it can change quite a lot. Like, you know, ultimately, um, you know, people work for their leaders and if they don't feel good with that person, uh, they will look uh, elsewhere pretty quickly, right? So um, there are a lot of um, elements that play, play a role, but I would agree with you, culture is is the most powerful in all senses. And it, it probably is the most difficult to change as well because it needs consistency, it needs time, it needs authenticity, walking the talk and psychological safety. Um, I mean, I guess you are talking an example where someone takes over and kind of destroys what, what you are trying to, to build. Of course, yeah. again, sort of naturally, you know, if I'm sharing uh, and uh, developing my successions, I'm sharing my values, uh, uh, if you like, and of course, also choosing someone who is sharing these uh, these values. So the chances, uh, again, so far, and like we are talking today, you've been succeeding me. I mean, we are probably talking today just because we share the same values, uh, and uh, you've been doing um, excellent in uh, in in the role um, uh, succeeding uh, me. And uh, and again, it's uh, you've been chosen to the the role because you've been sharing the values and sort of continuing and bringing this to the next level, if you yeah. like, rather than, so I've never been, a, you know, a kind of a supporter of disruption, meaning choosing somebody completely different to go and disrupt what, what, I, what I've been kind of working on, right? Yeah. Maybe that's something in front of me in my career, but not something that I'm, I'm thinking of uh, you know, doing. No, and, I, and as I hear you say these things, well, like it makes me think whether I, I did a good job in uh, developing my successors in the various roles I, I took. But I think I, I did a good job in developing talent and people that, that are still there after so many years, maybe in different roles and different organizations, or maybe they even change company. But I think when I talk to them, they are grateful for the time and the um, you know, the coaching um, I gave them. And I learned this from you, right? That a sort of sense for talent and, and for uh, nurturing uh, quality skills and helping people grow. So that, that's something that I I actually developed earlier in life, even when I started to be a football or soccer for our American friends coach, uh, in, even when I was like 17 or 18. And I did that for like 15 years. So one question, Valdek, uh, you mentioned earlier, like how, how you changed in terms of spending time with your team members. Initially, maybe you were more focused on, on your successors on, or what you would call top performance, but then you learned to, that everybody deserves uh, a chunk of your time and attention and focus, which is great. Any other thing that in which you changed substantially uh, from a leadership standpoint or any other it can be even personal, like how you handle your your schedule, how you and your your life balance. Like, can you name other things that that change in the last you know twenty plus years of your career? Sure, I think of my career of like a it's a journey, right? And the one thing that I always say is that I'm in the one twentieth of the journey as of now which means, which keeps me motivated uh, in the sense that there is so much in front of me. The job is never done, you know. It's, uh, if someone thinks that, hey, these are the 10 things I need to do, I, I become a, a great leader. I think once you kind of get to that point, you, you just go backwards, right? Uh, 
So, so I think that is an important thing to, to, to think um, uh, this way. Now, if I think of my, my journey through, through the years, I changed a lot, um, well, as, uh, as you probably know. If I think of the leadership of like doing the what and the how, so I think the what, meaning the targets, delivering the results, uh, I, I don't think much changed um, here. I had a passion for um, delivering results and um, being a data person, driving um, fact-based communication, all these kind of things. Now, on the how, I think I, I've been transforming a lot uh, through um, the years. Uh, again, like with um, early stages of my career where we probably met, I did spend a lot of time with you, but may not have spent as much time with uh, others. And, uh, and I wish, uh, you know, at that time, I was much better kind of much more self-aware of um, uh, things, much more patient and inclusive and a better listener, which would kind of um, allow to include all the people that, uh, that I've been working on and, uh, and not just maybe support as much the, the top performers who, who kind of share the, the vision, um, et cetera, right? So, so I think I did, uh, that made um, uh, some mistakes in the early part of uh, my career maybe showing it the emotions uh, when uh, when something was not going uh, the way i wanted this uh, uh, to go instead of uh, handling the, the the different situations much more professionally and kind of allowing people the space to a don't not necessarily go with the pace i wanted but um, go maybe slower maybe make some mistakes maybe fail, learn something from these things. Uh, uh, if I think of the what and the how, the early stages of my career, and you know, I'm a big fan of Pareto. So to use the 80-20 kind of rule, with the emphasis in the early stages of my career, I would put 80% on the what, 20 on the how. Maybe these days, I don't know whether this, uh, this is the, the opposite flip, but somewhere in, in, in that range, right? Uh, so in okay. Russia, I pay a lot more attention to to the how and uh, and the inclusion uh, and uh, and kind of cherishing the diversity or even um, driving diversity on the team and uh, and having people who have different opinions than mine and and encouraging them yeah. to actually speak up, which is certainly not um, not what uh, I've been doing so well at the early stages of uh, of my career. So I think that's how. I've been transforming or changing through the years, uh, I think. Okay. So shall we say you are more patient now, Valdek, and also less uh, sort of subject to your own uh, feelings in the sense that like if you were frustrated or upset or disappointed back in the day, you would show it uh, and now you are more able to kind of control it and, and make sure that it doesn't disrupt people or your own sort of uh, reputation or the way you come across yeah well but by all means now this said i i don't think it, it works like this that you just say to yourself oh, i need to be more patient and from tomorrow you are more patient right so sure so if you ask me patience is still something that by nature <laughs> i'm patient right and, uh, right. and i'm still uh, but you know today i mean i know that i'm impatient by nature and i'm uh, i'm so 
so much more self-aware that I I can control this, right? Uh, right. And uh, but internally, still, I don't say fighting, but kind of managing this consciously, if you like, uh, versus letting this go as I would probably do right. in the in the early days. Hey, thanks, Valak, for sharing such details about your development and your journey. I actually find it always or often more interesting and inspiring when people hear personal stories and, and the journeys that uh, we all go through, as opposed to when we are trying to teach them directly using like more abstract uh, or general type of concepts. That's why I encourage to use storytelling as, uh, um, a, uh, as a means to, to teach coach and, and grow others. So thanks for that. It seems to me that the unbalanced effort and attention to the hard result-oriented aspects of the business life versus the human and relational dimensions has been a common leadership uh, uh, pitfall for a long time. What do you think about it? No, I fully agree with you, right? In general, we organizations, Obviously, I focus so much on delivering the results that do not uh, do not spend time on what I call building the foundation. Because you can push the result one way or another, but uh, if you don't build the foundation on the how building the right culture of uh, um, problem solving, root causing, and uh, putting the fixes in place, uh, you will not build a sustainable culture that at yeah. the end of the day is the yeah, the results are again I, I i have to say the most important thing right but um but if you are not build spending enough on the how building that culture of problem solving uh, and uh, again building for long term you will get your organization tired with quarter yeah. on quarter brute forcing the results if i can say so right and yes. uh, the point is hey you want to kind of enjoy what you do, right? We we spend so much time at work that uh, if you if you are not coming to work every day thinking, hey, today I'm going to spend a good time with people at work, we will together be kind of solving the problems of the world, if you like, uh, and just focusing on delivering a certain yeah. metric. You will get tired very quickly, and uh, and again, longer longer run, it's not sustainable to manage that way. Yeah. Agree. So I think the way to maybe generalize this, as you as you said, is the how is as important, if not more important than the what. And I will add to that the why, like the sense of purpose. What am I building here? What am I creating? What value am I, uh, you know, manifesting? So this this why question is uh, even more paramount than everything else. It goes at the source, and then the how is is the systems, is the relationships, is people, is values, is principles and behaviors that we want to uh, embody. And then the what is the outcome. So the, if you get the why and the how right, then the what will almost naturally uh, unfold in my observation versus yeah. like the opposite. Yeah. Let me bring a famous quote by Peter Drucker, who yes. says like, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. 
So, and I fully yeah. kind of, I could not agree more you know, with this sentence uh, that uh, it's so much more important to have the right culture. Can can have the best strategy in, uh, in the world. You will not do go do great uh, if you don't build the right culture. Absolutely, love that quote. Now, I'd I'd like to maybe end with uh, a quick talk on on books because one of the things you did for me when you were my my manager is to educate me through books or uh, you know help me develop by reading books and the first book that you gave me and actually i think you bought it for all your direct reports back then as a gift was uh, uh, good to great remember that yes by by peter collins right that's his name yes and uh, and i love that book to the point that i uh, later like 10 years later i bought uh, the following was it 10 years no maybe less actually it must have been four or five years later i bought great by choice which i loved um and it actually helped me go through a very tough period of my life but yeah good to great was a it's a great book uh, for everyone i think you would still after 10 years later you would still recommend it right Baldek? oh yeah oh yeah for sure even though people who read this of uh, the good to great is about the uh, the companies that uh good and became great and kind of studying to this so uh, and again the book uh, like you say i don't know which year it was kind of published but uh yeah, you probably even gave you the book back in 2007 or something like this. Yeah. So many, many years ago. Some of these companies by now, you know, the world has changed so much uh, that um, uh, that probably uh, at that time they were considered kind of great. By now, they may be bankrupt uh, and some of them are. But um, but again, uh, it's um, it's always kind of inspirational to me. Like I, I was saying earlier, it, it's been very important to me to keep myself learning and 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 keep my my team learning so so this practice of giving a book to my team i keep till today so so started this like you say more or less that time uh, and uh, every year for christmas i i did do buy a book uh, for my team it's always a kind of uh, leadership uh, oriented um, uh, uh, book and the last, let's say, three, four years, I've kind of made an addition, uh, Vale, which is uh, half year later. So more or less the Christmas time, I, I buy the book and mid-year next, uh, next year, I'm asking everybody to prepare a page, a very simple page, just three key learnings from the book. Uh -huh. and, and during my staff meeting, we would kind of, mm, uh, everybody would share that page. So the three key learnings from the book with, with others, and this is fascinating to me that uh, you you give it to ten or fifteen people, and then you would expect a lot of overlap. But in fact, no, really, uh, different people yeah. take uh, three different learnings and then share with each other. And uh, and again, to to me, it's a testimony to to diversity that we all are different, that we all perceive differently, and uh, and that's what I kind of learned uh, that a cherish this, this diversity everybody is different be patient explain uh, yeah. uh, etc right oh no i didn't know that you were uh, now asking also a summary of their takeaways after six months that's a nice practice uh, i need to correct myself i actually use the wrong name of the author it's not peter collins it's uh it's not phil collins either for those of you who know <laughs> who collins is it's Jim Collins, okay? Jim Collins is the author of both Good to Great and Great by Choice. Uh, strongly recommend both books. 
So I'm, I want I'm to. I'm looking uh, back at my library too to check this, but I will not. Uh, I'm sure you just verified, so yeah. all good. Yeah, yeah, just verified it. So uh, maybe uh, I will. I want to have two more questions. One is about like name your number one mo role model in leadership, and and then I'll ask you something personal. Hmm. Well, the, uh, I, I think it's an easy question for me. It's uh, it's uh, someone I I regret I never met uh, uh, met um, uh, in uh, in my life. Uh, uh, um, it's, uh, it's the former CEO of GE, Jack Welch. At certain point in my career, I became uh, um, I can say a student of. Uh, uh, Jack Welsh. I, I've um, uh, read every book by him, about him, uh, if you like, and uh, he, he has been there. I listened to all the possible uh, um, uh, YouTube uh, videos um, with Jack. So he has been uh, my role model, if you like, for, um, and he's still till today, right, for many, many years. Uh, even though, again, uh, today I'm trying to consciously again be opening myself to other leadership styles other kind of theories because uh, again the world is moving um, uh, if you like and uh, as i said earlier us continuing the learning is is i think um, fundamental so so yeah it's jack welsh uh, um, uh, and uh, and if i am to give one book by by jack welsh is the very first one uh, called Straight from the Gut uh, that he has written right after he retired as the CEO of G. And uh, I think the title says uh, says it's all. It's right. straight from the straight from the gut. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and Valen, and just sorry, one question I forgot to ask you earlier that just came back now. It's about when we talked about the how and shifting towards more of the how and the why versus the what or balancing these two or these three elements is. I wanted to ask you if you see the, the, this trend happening in the corporate world uh, as much as you and I now think of this as an important asset for um, for corporations to uh, develop themselves into the new world of leadership. Do you see this changing in corporations and in the leaders that you see around you? Oh yeah, I I, I think so. Right. Um... I mean, the companies I work for, uh, we're always paying a lot of attention to kind of um, leadership and development. But uh, but um, it is I see this uh, changing um, too. I mean, the, I mean, the last years there a lot of emphasis on diversity, uh, uh, equity, and uh, inclusion. I think uh, um, this is the the trend uh, that I think. Uh, uh, almost every kind of um, company in the world is putting a lot of um, emphasis, which, uh, which again, if I think of uh, the companies 20 years back or well, 10 years back, uh, you wouldn't kind of hear anything about um, uh, these topics. So, so again, I think it is changing and it is changing in the right uh, direction. Uh, yeah. and, and to me, it's, uh, you know, um, uh, being so much kind of, people oriented is is music to my ears uh, that the um, the companies are going um, uh, this direction and paying more and more attention 
uh, to the how versus uh, the what. Yeah, I agree, and I, I see the same in, in in the company I work for, and I think it's genuine. I think, of course, there are some uh, benefits in the in the world of the what's in the in the business outcomes, but this is a, a genuine understanding of the world as as it relates to meeting people's needs and societal needs and the need of the world as a planet. So I'm hoping that it's not just uh, uh, a uh, you know sort of a label or a facade, but uh, all that many other companies are embracing this need these values of of inclusion, equality, diversity, and new paradigms of leadership. So certainly I uh, want to be part of this change by being here talking with you today and by spreading the, the word uh, so that more and more people come on board and, um, and help us uh, create a more, uh, a better world in all, uh, you know, its endeavors and, uh, and um, dimensions, so. Um, Valek, uh, just um, we didn't speak about you as a person too much in the beginning. I just want to you to share what does Valek do beyond work. Well, um, beyond work, uh, which is uh, I spend a lot of time at um, at work, which uh, I like it, right? Uh, so it's uh, part of my hobby, if you if you like. Um, but um, jokes apart, uh, and I actually, it's, not, it's partly joke, partly not. Uh, I, I really enjoy at least, uh, that's how I want to kind of sk schedule my days that I, I go every day to work uh, to kind of enjoy doing what I'm doing. And, uh, and I, I am enjoying this. So it is truly, again, I don't want to call it a hobby, but, uh, but that's, uh, that's how I'm thinking of this. Apart from, uh, from, from work, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big uh, uh, sport fan, so football uh, for the American uh, uh, listeners, soccer, so um, something that you and me have been very passionate. You, you used to play. I also uh, used to play almost quasi-professionally, so like training five days a, a week and playing a game. But there was early, early days from the age of 10 to the age of 20, so a long, long time uh, ago. Recently, two things I would mention, uh, since the time I spent in Scotland, um, uh, three years from 2015 to 18, I became a really Scottish, so I got into golf and whiskey. So, <laughs> okay. so a, lot of, a lot of time uh, these days when I have some free time, I would go and play golf. Uh, and uh, from kind of watching, I, I watch something that is, I think, a very niche sport globally but it's uh, i would say maybe second most popular sport in poland which is speedway it's a kind of uh, four riders on a dirt track uh, doing four lap always turning left on a round kind of uh, stadium um, uh, yeah. circle uh, and um, uh, that's that's what uh, again i grew up when my uncle was um, uh, taking me for speedway when i was maybe seven years old so so wow. I, I think uh, this is still today the number one. If I'm to watch one thing, that's the thing I would watch. Wow, interesting. I actually didn't know that sport until I think you or some other a Polish friend mentioned a few years ago. I had to Google it. Now yeah. I know I know what it is. And interesting, Valek, you have a thing for sports, right? You're one of the few that could beat me at uh, at ping pong. I mean, I I'm no big big deal, <laughs> but when I play with uh, like uh, random people uh, on 
on trainings, retreats, or whatever with friends, generally I um, I get away with with the win, and you smashed me like you played <laughs> the few times we played, you destroyed me. So I'm sorry, I'm and, sorry, brother. Yeah, and we didn't people... play tennis yet, and we didn't play tennis yet, so maybe it's still still up there. Uh, I'm hoping that our age difference will make a difference on the field. <laughs> well, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah, what's your uh, year of birth? 74. 74. Okay, we have five years difference. So but I, think, yeah. I think it's no biggie. I think it, it would, you would destroy me on uh, tennis as well. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, recently I started uh, practicing and um, uh, taking care of myself. I had some back, uh, back pain, so I started... Uh, to do some yoga and more sports because also golfing was kind of a very stretching for my for my back. Um, so uh, apart from just going out and playing golf, I really started to take care of my body. Right. So hopefully, for hopefully that that will close the the age difference uh, on the tennis <laughs> uh, tennis court. <laughs> right. And and last thing, you told me that you wish you 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 told your your uh, kids. Uh, wow, it's not. I, I shouldn't say kids because they are what both in your in their twenties. Oh. oh yeah. Well, you, have, you told them to follow the the podcast. Now probably they didn't uh, uh, do that yet, but with you on stage, probably they they will now. What do you think? Yeah, I I was telling you you the the other day that uh, yeah I liked all the podcast you posted. Uh, I did share this um, uh, with um, my kids. Uh, uh, to listen because I think uh, they can take a lot of great um, uh, learnings uh, from this. Uh, I did ask them last week that they listen. They said no. So hopefully, like you say, the the episode now with um, uh, me being the guest will will be a good encouragement uh, for uh, them to, yeah, to, to listen. I, not just to I this hope. one, but all of them because I think they are all great. Thank you, my friend. How old are your kids? Oh, they are um, uh, well. This year they turned. 2421. I remember having met them in a parking lot somewhere here in Budapest when you came with your family. It must have been 2009 or something, 2010, and they were so small. Uh, like like now they are adults, like in their 20s. Oh my God. Yeah, time time is flying. Yeah, I, I remember we we were driving from holidays, I think, um, in Croatia, and we stopped by at Budapest. Uh, Just to meet real quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Talking about business outcomes, uh, shout out to all our estimated audience. And I say estimated because on the Anchor, the app that I use to manage the podcast, based on the last few episodes, it gives me an estimate of the audience. And it says I have 55 as an estimated audience. Now, if I look at the statistics, I, I think there are probably more about like 60, 65 people that are here for, for the most. But anyway, so uh, thanks to all the 55 uh, estimated people that are following us. Uh, but also, I need to tell you, I see the statistics by country, right? And I have 2% from Poland. And if you make the math, 2% of 55 is one person. So it must be you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't have other followers in Poland. So I'm hoping that beyond your, your kids, we also get some other uh, fellow Polish uh, Polish friends, because I, I do personally have a lot of friends in Poland and colleagues and former colleagues. Great uh, experience to work with with your uh, fellow uh, Polish Polish people, Valdek, and when with you in particular. So uh, let's see if if we get some traction there. 
Yeah, yeah, you will get three. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure. So, hey, <laughs> Dagmar and Michal, if you will listen to this, say hey, greetings to you. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Hey, Valde, this was a massive pleasure uh, to have you on the podcast and also to have you as a friend, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, hope to see you again soon in person. Whenever you're coming to Budapest, uh, let me know. Hopefully, we'll. Uh, not only meet in a in a parking lot of a, of a supermarket, but have a have a beer, and, and a good dinner. Hey, Valer, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for the invitation, and looking forward to meeting you.